After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to Baseball America's College Podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball. I'm Teddy Cahill. We've got Michael and Anna here. And we want to thank you for tuning in to today's Baseball America College Podcast. Our college podcasts are sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ, helping health-conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance. Visit healthiq.com BA to see if you qualify. So, Mike, um, we are here on Monday, February 19. Opening weekend has just concluded. Um, it's good to have college baseball back. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a fun opening weekend around the country, I, I feel like. Yeah, no question. Uh, you know, our top 25 last night, which, of course, is sponsored by Louisville Slugger, it's uh, the first one is, is usually the easiest one, uh, as, as we all know. Uh, you know, the top 10, you look at the, the new top 10 that, that came out today, and it's the same as the, the old top 10. Nothing really, uh, well, nothing literally changed there. It's every team did what they were supposed to do and went out in one series. And Those top 10 teams combined for two total losses. Yeah, which is pretty good. <laughs> which is which is what what you want to see out of your top ten teams, and it also says that hey, we got the top ten right uh, at least for the first weekend. So you know, from there, there really wasn't a whole lot of changes to our top twenty five. It was really kind of business as usual, but there were a, a couple of series, a couple of eye opening series. Um, certainly, what Southern Miss did against Mississippi State and sweeping Mississippi State, and really, I mean, that series wasn't even close. And then Notre Dame winning a series at LSU as well was a, was another shocker. And then Stanford and Cal State Fullerton, Stanford beginning the Dave Esker era with a sweep of Fullerton was pretty impressive as well. Yeah, I, I think those were probably the three of the the biggest uh, stories from the weekend. Um, you know, when you look at uh, at Southern Miss, I think that was uh, a, a series that was circled on a, a lot of people's calendars. Um, you know, that it, it received a fair amount of, uh, of hype going into the year. You know, the two in-state programs, um, you know, last year, the that was the regional final matchup in Hattiesburg and, and Mississippi State got the better of that, you know, upsetting Southern Miss at their home field, ending what had been a pretty magical season for the Golden Eagles to that point. Um, and so the opening up against each other, I, th- I think that was a, a pretty marquee matchup. And Southern Miss came out, and they were ready to go. Um, they won 11 to nothing on opening mm. day. Pretty good. They never trailed in the series. Um, Nick Sandlin, uh, he'd been the Southern Miss's closer for the, the first two years of his career and had done a really good job uh, in that role. And he moves to, to the Friday night starter role this, uh, this weekend, his first career start, and he went out and he threw seven scoreless against Mississippi State, nine walks, no, or nine strikeouts, no walks. Uh, it was a very impressive outing for him. And, you know, I, I, when I spoke with uh, Coach Scott Berry last night, uh, you know, he talked about how Sandlin just kind of set the tone for the weekend, and they really wanted to have 
they they didn't feel like they they had like a, a true Friday starter if they'd gone with you know some of the guys that had experience starting games for them before. And Sandlin, he might not have the kind of stuff that you see uh, a lot of Friday starters have, you know, especially in the SEC, like Connor Pilkington, uh, for example, over at Mississippi State. Sandlin doesn't have that kind of stuff. He's he's a, he's a, a righty that you know changes angles, a lot of sidearm stuff. Um, but he's a really effective pitcher, and he gave Southern Miss the best chance on Friday night, and, and I think that you know he'll continue to do that throughout the season. And um, you know, so his his emergence in that role is significant for Southern Miss as they replace some some key players from last season. And um, you know, the the Eagles really just roll all weekend long, like you said, Mike. And uh, you can read more about that series uh, at BaseballAmerica.com and, and off the bat. And Southern Miss, as a result, moves up from 21 to 17 in this week's top 25. Mississippi State, uh, they are out. They were 23, and, and they, are, they got swept out. You know, Mike, I, I know it's opening weekend. We don't want to overreact. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, uh, what's the feeling on the Bulldogs at this point? That, that was a team that, that had some questions. You know, they're trying to replace Brent Rooker and, and some other key players. I mean, they didn't hit this weekend which to me was one of the biggest question marks. Um, Ethan Small coming back from injury, one of several pitchers coming back from injury, wasn't effective on Saturday as a starter. You know, wh- Where are you at now with, with the Bulldogs? That's a good question, and I don't know that I have a great answer for you at this point. I mean, they were a team that I know for us, trying to figure out where to slot them in the preseason, we really didn't know. There were a lot of you know iterations of our top 25, some where they were a little bit higher, some where they were a little bit lower. Um, somewhere, I mean, we really just had no idea where to put them, just given the, the losses they have, and particularly Rooker. You know, um, you know, I was I was certainly surprised to see them. Really, I mean, not even be all that competitive with Southern Miss this weekend. I mean, you look at the scores, you look at obviously the eleven nothing first game. You think you have Pilkington on the mound, it should be a, a low scoring game at least. I mean, that's that's the tone setter for the weekend and for the season. And so that was surprising to me to see that lopsided score. And then obviously, I mean, you see Southern Miss the next day jump out to a five zero lead pretty early. It, it was just it was relentless. I, I think Mississippi State. I think when it's all said and done. Um, I, I think they're a, a team with a, enough talent to find a way to to get things done and you know put together sort of a similar season as, as last year. Maybe not, you know, it's hard to look at this weekend and say they're going to have the same amount of success. But you know, last weekend they had some hurdles too. They had a lot of injuries. They had a lot they needed to figure out sort of on the fly. They are generally healthier this year. Uh, there's no question about that. It's just. We'll see if, if Coach Andy Canizero can find the, the right combination, especially offensively with what they did this weekend. Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the offense is a, a significant concern right now, um, just given where, where I was at on them coming into the year and then what we see this weekend. You know, Jake Mangum and Josh Hatcher, the top two hitters in, in their lineup, had 10 hits between them. Uh, the rest of the lineup had 11 hits total. Um, that's a problem. And they're gonna need to they're gonna need to find a way to score some runs. And if Mangum and Hatcher are gonna set the table, somebody has to step up to drive them in. Um, and I, there are options at Mississippi State. You know, there's there's no doubt that there's talent there, and um, you can't be too reactive to to this weekend. Um, no matter how poor it looked, you know, there you got to figure that they're gonna have some answers eventually. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not pushing the panic button yet. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not going to push the panic button at all in this podcast because it, it is, it's only it is, opening weekend. It is far too early for the panic button. Yeah, it's it's opening weekend. There's still plenty of time to write the ship. You know, talk to me in a in a few weeks about Mississippi State and where they are then. You know, as they they gear up for SEC play. You know, and I'm going to be interested to see Mississippi State this week. Um, you know, they have a midweek at Jackson State, but then they go uh, and they play in a tournament at Corpus Christi. Um, where the competition is not as good as what they saw this weekend. Um, they play uh, Santa Barbara, which uh, also had a very disappointing uh, sweep to, to start the year. Uh, so those two teams are going to be looking to rebound. And then you got Nichols State and uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So, you know, it, it could be a chance for Mississippi State to get a little healthier this week. It, it could be a chance where, where they can bounce back a little bit. Um, and they need that because, uh, you know, they, they need to find some answers and, and find some answers quickly. So, you know, we'll be keeping an eye on the Bulldogs. The other big sweep this weekend you mentioned was uh, Stanford going down to Cal State Fullerton, also a rematch of a, uh, of a regional final last year. The, the Stanford regional ended last year uh, with Fullerton uh, knocking out Stanford, uh, ending Mark Marquess's career with a, a little – well, disappointment uh, that they couldn't win their regional at home, but Stanford goes down and uh, plays their traditional opening weekend series at Fullerton, and um, they uh, they really pitched, you know. And we knew that was gonna, we, we thought that was gonna happen. Uh, you got Tristan Beck, you got Chris Bubich, you got Eric Miller. You're probably gonna pitch, and and, and they went out and pitched this weekend. They did. They really did. And it was it was impressive. I mean, you look at that series on paper and looking at the two teams and the two pitching staffs, you think it's going to be three low-scoring games, you know, one or two run games. And for the most part, that's what we got this weekend. You know, I think uh, I'm sure, you know, some people were wondering, or a lot of people, probably every Stanford fan is wondering how Dave Esker, how that era is going to begin. And certainly it's, it's hard to start off much better than they did uh, with these three wins and you know Tristan Beck coming back and pitching the way he did after his back injury last year after missing all of last year that's huge and that's it's terrible news for the rest of the Pac-12 <laughs> if he's healthy and, and pitching the way he is because that rotation uh, even though Miller didn't pitch well this weekend in general you know when he's right you know he's a, as good a Sunday starter as you're going to find out there and um, you know, Bubich, I mean, stepping in as the ace last year, now he's your Saturday guy. You really have two aces there uh, for Stanford. I mean, they're such a dangerous club. And, you know, offensively, you know, they're no, they're no slouch offensively either. With Nico Horner, had a really nice weekend. He's a spark plug for them at the top of the lineup, a, a veteran shortstop. And, you know, they may not have the, the power per se. They didn't homer this weekend, but – you know, with the kind of pitching that they have, their defensive ability, and just the veteran leadership that they have. I mean, they're clearly a dangerous club, and, um, you know, they passed this first test this weekend with flying colors. You know, obviously the, the pitching stands out, like I said, but I was pretty impressed with some of the, the kids in that lineup. Uh, Tim Tawa, freshman from, from Oregon, uh, who is a really talented football player, uh, he went out and, and had a nice weekend uh, for, for his college debut. Um, you know, Brandon Wolf stepped up, you know, with, uh, you know, he had five hits on the weekend and, um, you know, I, there, there are pieces to that offense. I, I, Mm -hmm. they are still a work in progress offensively and they're never going to be, you know, some dynamo offensive club. Uh, but with their pitchers, they don't need to be, but I, I, I was, I thought that they, uh, you know, there, there's maybe a little more depth to that lineup than than some people 
are, are think you know you look at it you see Nico Horner like okay that there's a preseason all-american and then some of these other names you're, you're not as familiar with but you know I, I think there is going to be some depth to this lineup as uh, as some of these guys get a little more uh, a little more experience this season and get their feet under them a little bit um, you know one thing about Stanford obviously is you know they play a very very difficult schedule mm-hmm. um, and so you know, yeah, they, uh, they they saw some really talented pitching this this week, but you know they're going to keep seeing that really talented pitching. It, it's not a case where this is going to get a lot easier for for any of these young hitters. They're going to have to they're going to have to learn on the fly. Uh, you know, they got Rice coming up and, and Texas. That series is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I mean, there, there's uh, there, there the, those two teams have have plenty of arms too. So you know, I think offensively, it's going to be key for them to get on track. Uh, but I, I think there is talent in, in that lineup for them. And um, then Fullerton, on the on the flip side of this, um, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a rough start. But Mike, you, uh, what was it, ten years ago? The, or yeah, what, well, what, what's 12, the stat you got? 12, 12 years ago. Yeah. Well, in two thousand six was the last time Fullerton started their season zero and three. It was against Stanford at Stanford, just like this year. And they went on to go to the College World Series. So if, uh, obviously, that an entirely different team um, and none of the same players, clearly. Totally different coaching <laughs> staff. Totally different coaching <laughs> staff. Everything different. But there's precedent. At the very least, there's precedent. You know, um, you know with the Titans, I, I usually, they've gotten off to tough starts in, in the last few years and, and turned it around. It, you know, for me... I'm not that concerned. I look at the scores. It's not like they were blown out in any game. They're all tight games for the most part. It was a tough assignment, obviously, given the pitchers they were facing. And I have faith in that coaching staff and, and Coach Vanderhook and, and being able to, you know, offensively, they're a bit of a project every year. But they usually find some way to generate offense, to to bring in runs, whether it's through bunting small ball, whatever. And they do have a little muscle with Ruben Cardenas, who homered this weekend and is a really important player for them on the offensive side of things. But I think they're going to be fine. You know, with that said, they do have some tough series coming up. Houston, they have Houston coming in for their first home series, and Houston's a very good team. That's not going to be easy. Then they travel to Tulane, and then, of course, they go to Oregon State, which, I mean, that's not easy for anybody. So, you know, these next couple weekends aren't going to be easy, but with the pitching that they have, the depth of the pitching, I I think they should be able to hold their own and at least steal one or two of these series along the way. Yeah, I mean, that's another team that obviously schedules very difficult, and, um, you know they got to bounce back quickly. Uh, that Houston team is is a pretty good team coming in. They're finding their way a little bit too. Um, you know they had a series win against Holy Cross, but Holy Cross did nip them uh, for one of those games. So you know Fullerton's going to have to going to have to bounce back from this. But you know I mean they they've got the horses. You, you feel good about them on any weekend that they can run Colton Eastman out on Friday nights. Oh yeah, no they they'll be fine. I, I I certainly I mean we we ding them a little bit in our poll. Uh, clearly, when you lose three games, when you get swept, you're going to get dinged a little bit. But uh, you know I, I'm not going to be surprised to see them. You know clearly with where we have them, um, you know in a super regional or even in Omaha later in the year if they're able to put it all together. For sure, um, I did um, in my updated eight for Omaha in in off the bat. I I dropped them. I had them in the summer. Put put Stanford in instead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and to me that that's I, I struggled with that a little bit. But you know, just when I did the first one, 
back at the at the end of June, there was a lot of uncertainty at Stanford. You know, um, we didn't know what Tristan Beck was going to look like. Uh, Dave Esker had just gotten hired. You know, we didn't quite know how that transition was going to go. So after eight months and uh, one really good sweep and Tristan Beck looking really good for, uh, you know, in preseason and, and then in his first outing, I, I feel a lot better about Stanford. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm very encouraged by what we saw this weekend from, from the Cardinal, and I, I think they're going to be very difficult again throughout this season. Um, speaking of Omaha, uh, last year's runner-up, mm-hmm. LSU, uh, they did not have uh, quite. They they had a, they had a forgettable so opening weekend, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it was it was not so good. So they uh, they had Notre Dame come down to the box and um, they got down six nothing on opening night, and then LSU got a little bit of that that magic in the box and and they got they came all the way back for a seven to six win. Josh Smith uh, hit a, a big three run homer to uh, you know finish off that comeback and. I don't know. For me, I was thinking after that game, like, okay, Notre Dame gave LSU its best shot. You know, the Tigers took it, and they're going to come back, and they're going to win this series now. That is not how it worked out. Um, the Irish, their offense kept going, and they they really took it to LSU the next two days, and, and they win a big series. That's a team that uh, you know really needed that, I, I think, um, you know, Notre Dame's had some tough starts in recent years. They haven't made it to the tournament in the last couple seasons. Uh, but, you know, they, they had a really nice start to the season here. Oh, there's no question. And, you know, the, the guy who really carried the load for them was Eric Gilgenbach, who, uh, who homered three times on the weekend, including a grand slam, drove in nine runs, up his five hits, three were home runs. It's a pretty good opening weekend. He got my vote for ACC Player of the Week. I, I it's think, a pretty good opening I, weekend yeah. on a huge stage. Too. Yeah, no, especially especially at the box. You know, at LSU, it's you can't really ask for more than that. You know, certainly it's for Notre Dame and and for Mickey Aoki and and that staff. I mean, that's that's a, a fantastic start to the year. Something that on paper, really, I mean, no team going to LSU for opening weekend is gonna go in expecting to win the series necessarily. So, but for them to do that is is big for them. Obviously, from an RPI standpoint, it's going to look really good for them later in the year. And you know, maybe this is the year they start to put things together a little bit. But as for LSU, you know, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about their pitching. Looking at the way they performed this weekend, you know, that was that was a big question for me coming into this year, especially with the injury to Eric Walker. You know, that was a big blow for them when when he got hurt late last year. And you look at how their starters performed this weekend. I mean, Caleb Gilbert, Gilbert giving up 10 hits and six runs and four and a third. You have Zach Hess, who was their unhittable closer last year. He makes his first start of the year. He's currently sporting a 30.86 ERA, um, which is not good. Uh, eight, eight runs in, in two and a third innings. And then, you know, Todd Peterson was the best of the bunch, but even he struggled a bit, walking four and four innings, gave up three runs, four hits. Not an inspiring weekend on the mound for LSU. They're going to have to figure some things out, whether these are the three guys, whether they have to mix and match a little bit. Maybe Hess, you know, we'll we'll see what they do with him. Obviously, he flourished in a closers role last year. Not saying, you know, not overreacting from one weekend, but, you know, that's always an option later on in the season if starting doesn't pan out to move him back there so we'll we'll see what happens with them pitching wise but looking at the the stat sheet it's it's pretty ugly 
Yeah, I mean, at, right now as a team, LSU has an 8.67 ERA. Um, yeah, that's not they, what you're uh, accustomed to seeing. <laughs> no, I mean they they walked 16 batters on the weekend. Uh, Notre Dame had 34 hits. Um, it's not it's not good. You know, I feel like Gilbert can bounce back from this. You know, he's had some success as a starter. He's never really sustained it for a whole season yet. Um, but I feel okay about that. Hess is going to be better. There are a lot of questions about whether he's a starter, of course. Uh, most people in pro ball see him as a reliever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are questions about just how well he can maintain it, how well his mentality is suited to it. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Todd Peterson... Also, a lot like Zach Hess, probably a reliever in pro ball. Um, you know, we didn't did not have Hess level of success as a freshman. Uh, was getting it going late um, for for LSU last season um, down the stretch. But you know, one of those those guys are going to have to get better. Um, there are some options. Their options have been a little bit limited. They're a little bit banged up. AJ Labus, another big time freshman, you know he he isn't quite ready to go yet, and um, you know so that they're down that arm. I don't know. I I feel fine about LSU right now, I guess. But that was a bad weekend, and they need to get it right in a hurry because Texas is coming to town this weekend, and um, I don't know that Texas has that kind of offense in them, but I certainly wouldn't have said Notre Dame had it either. Yeah. So, you know, Texas is a better team. Texas is going to pitch better. Um, you know, that that is one thing that, you know, if you're LSU, you can feel kind of okay about the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't as good as you want it to be, for sure. Um, but, you know, we, we They're felt... They're going to hit. Yeah, and, you know... Look, it wasn't it wasn't a great weekend offensively for them either. It was better than it was on the mound. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- it's going to get better, especially there. But you know, Texas is really going to come in and pitch, and um, you know, the Longhorns are, are looking to make a big statement this year. Uh, you know, they they feel like, I mean, I guess what it's been three years since they went to Omaha, and in Texas years, that's like thirty five years. Um, so they, uh, you know, they really are looking to take a step forward this season in David Pierce's second year. And, um, I, I think that they might smell some blood in the water here, mm-hmm. uh, when they go to Baton Rouge and if they can pick up, you know, this series win, that'd be huge for them. So LSU has to know that they're going to get it, Texas's best shot and that they're facing a really talented team this weekend. And, you know, Texas had somewhat of an interesting weekend, too, as well, uh, playing ULL. Um, you know, they very easily could have dropped that series. They needed a, a comeback late in that second game. You know, for them, offensively, I mean, you mentioned the pitching, and, and certainly there's there's plenty of it to go around. I mean, Nolan Kingham, what he did in his Friday start, eight innings, eight scoreless innings, striking out ten, allowing just three hits. He was filthy. There's no question about that. You know, for them, offensively, I think the the key guy, the guy you circle is Austin Todd. At least for me, he's the guy who hit the the walk off home run to to defeat the Raging Cajuns on that Saturday game. He's a guy with a lot of tools, and um, it's going to be interesting to see if he can kind of take that step forward this year and be a a, a good middle of the order bat for them. 
Um, you look at what they did offensively this weekend. Um, of course, he had the home run. That was one of two hits for him, five RBIs. And, you know, otherwise, you know, Cody Clemens, who they're going to be relying on, you know, certainly he had a nice weekend. Other than that, it, it really it was really a slim picking. I mean, they hit 209 as a team. So we'll see how they fare against LSU pitchers. Um, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun series just in terms of you have the the power stuff of these of these Texas pitchers, and then you have uh, what should be a high powered offense for LSU as well. Yeah, and ULL can really pitch. So mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think Texas's bats are gonna get going a little bit more, but no, it, it's a that's a pitching and defense team, and. I know fans in Texas are eager to see offense return, mm-hmm. um, but it's still mostly the team that you know Augie recruited. And um, the way that ballpark is, they're never going to get away from a pitching and defense um, mindset. I don't think, and, and I think that that's kind of what you know David Pierce had a lot of success with, um, you know, at, at Tulane and at Rice and, and at Sam Houston to a, to a large extent as well. So. I mean, I, it's not going to be a, a rollicking offense ever, I don't think. But at this point, it's still got to be a lot about the pitching. Um, and that's what you saw this weekend. Uh, so now we got a, a word from our sponsor, Health, Health IQ. Would you like to save money for being active and physically fit? Like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash BA or call 1-800-549-1664 to talk to a Health IQ agent and mention the promo code BA for savings. Now, Mike, in the the Baseball America Top 25, powered by Louisville Slugger, we had just one team move in this week. We mentioned Mississippi State moved out, Connecticut moves in. The Huskies go 2-1 and one down in, uh, I don't know if they still call it the Atlanta Challenge. I'm calling it the Atlanta Challenge. They at least used to. You can uh, call it whatever you want. Yeah, it's the deal where Kennesaw State, Georgia State, and Georgia Tech bring in three teams and you, you rotate around the three. Um, so Connecticut actually lost the first game. I mean, we, we expect UConn to be really good on Friday nights with Tim Kate, and that's the game they lost. And then they came back and they won two. Uh, so they move into the top 25. They were, as we mentioned in the preseason podcast, just on the edge of the 25 coming into the year. And um, so they move in. Mike, uh, you've, uh, I know you looked at that. You were keeping a close watch, close eye on that or a weekend. Or close watch, whatever, <laughs> either, either or. <laughs> uh, what uh, did you think about the Huskies? And I, it was a big win on Sunday in extra innings at Georgia Tech. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, no, and obviously they needed that to move into the 25, but you know, they were a team that for us was uh, probably team number 26 in, in our preseason top 25. They were they were a team that we certainly discussed quite a bit as as far as being in our preseason top 25. They're a team that just missed the cut for a regional last year. If you ask people on that team, they would say they're snubbed. I think we had them on the bubble. They were certainly they were one of the first four teams they out. Were, they were officially first four out. Yeah. I can't remember if they're the team... We may have no. We we had them out okay. because we the team we went sixty three for sixty four, but we had Miami and not Maryland. That was that was there the you go there you go. Well, anyway, they were good <laughs> last year, and they will be good again this year, I, I, I believe. And uh, obviously, you mentioned Friday, Tim Kate struggling a little bit. 
um, gave up five runs in five and two-thirds innings. That's that's not the, the Tim K you're used to seeing, and I think that'll correct itself. You know, he still had the seven punch-outs there, which is a, is a good sign. He has strikeout stuff. But the thing about UConn that makes them so dangerous is they have another lefty right behind him and Mason Fioli, who's pretty good in his own right. And he pitched really well this weekend, just gave up one hit in seven innings. And then you look at you look at them offensively. They're a team that I think has more offensive potential than people realize. They scored more runs this weekend than I would have expected. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, a, a big thing is... Isaac Feldstein, um, Feldstein it was a, a guy who was injured for them last year, but a guy who has the most power on the team. He had seven home runs last year, even though he was battling some nagging injuries. Hit two home runs this weekend. He's feeling good, clearly. So he's an important middle-of-the-order piece for them. And then I think the X factor for them, I mean, they bring back Anthony Prado at shortstop and Zach Susi at catcher, who are important pieces for them. There's no doubt veteran pieces and especially you know up-the-middle veteran experienced guys. But I think the, the X factor for them is Chris Winkle, who last year had uh, somewhat of a, a rough freshman year, um, hit about 220 or so. Um, this weekend he went five for nine, um, really off to a, a strong start, and he's a guy who he had he put together a good fall um, as well and has a lot of talent and was a, a really impressive guy in the showcase circuit um, as, a, as a senior high schooler. So I think he offensively is, is a bit of an X factor for them. And if they can continue to hit the way they did this weekend and show the kind of fight that they did to win that extra inning game, you combine that with Kate and Fioli, a one-two punch, they're going to be a dangerous club in the American. Yeah, and uh, speaking of the American, uh, so the last two teams in the top 25 are American teams. We got Central Florida at 24, kind of a weird weekend, one and two. They beat Virginia on Friday night and then lost 5-4 to both Rice and then Samford. In both of those games, they had the winning run or the tying run on base, and um, they, they had a chance in their final at-bat, weren't quite able to break through. I mentioned Houston um, winning a series, a close series against Holy Cross. Um, Cincinnati went out, and um, there were a lot of teams that were weather affected this weekend, not necessarily by actual weather during their games, but um, the Midwest on Thursday, there were a lot of flights canceled out of Chicago, and that really messed up a lot of teams' schedules. Cincinnati's one of those teams, and um, they were supposed to go out to, to San Diego. And they eventually made it on Saturday. Uh, they had to take five separate flights to get out to, to San Diego. Um, and then they played that night against Cal, and they won. And then they almost swept a doubleheader yesterday against San Diego. Um, USD had to, uh, you know, they had a, a ninth inning comeback to, to deny uh, Cincinnati a, a perfect weekend. But, you know, I, I was impressed by that. Um, you know, I, I just felt like the, the travel to, to get out yeah. there was a little ridiculous. It sounds like my typical travel experience, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, I mean, college baseball teams, they're just like everyone else, guys. Uh, there are not a whole lot of charter jets going on here. Well, even UNC missed their, their flight they did, last yeah. night going yeah. into extra innings. So uh, Yeah, I, I, a lot of times you would have seen a travel curfew. They uh, I guess they weren't operating on that, or maybe they cut it too close. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so... Cincinnati overcomes some adversity and, and goes out and those are two pretty solid teams out there. And so Scott Guggins takes over that program and um, it's a really nice first weekend. It's just one weekend. Um, but if Cincinnati is going to be ahead of schedule, 
the American is going to be an absolute meat grinder because Wichita State went out and swept McNeese State, and I know McNeese probably isn't going to be quite as good as they were last year, but you know, I mean, that's a solid team, and and that's a that's a good sweep on the road for Wichita. Uh, you know, a, a northern team going down and and getting that kind of sweep, and South Florida played UN, gave UNC everything they wanted. Um, you know, they're always going to be tough with McClanahan on Fridays. You know, if they, they're then just trying to steal a game if, if he can provide, you know, the, the start that, that we figure he can. You know, and I, it's, it's going to be one of the better years. Oh, and uh, Tulane sweeping Wright State. And uh, I have a lot of love for this, this Wright State team. I think that's going to be a fantastic uh, result come May for the Green Wave. So, you know, when you look at that, the way that conference has started, it is going to be a real dogfight every weekend. And good luck to us trying to figure out which teams from that conference to rank going forward. I That's been one of the most vexing, difficult conundrums over the last few years is just figuring out who is going to win the American. I, I This year could be the most difficult year yet, honestly. Although last year, wasn't there a five-way tie or something like that? At, at some, at some point. point, there, there And was. even the team we didn't talk about, ECU, I mean, they're they're a talented club as well. Yeah. So it's uh, they're playing UNC this weekend in a, kind of a home-and-home and, home and playing on a neutral site as well, which will be an interesting series to watch. So if really from top to bottom, that conference is incredibly strong. And I know we've talked about... You know, if, if Louisville had never left and stayed in that conference, we'd be talking about it, you know, as one of the, you know, power five in terms of in terms of strength of, of conference. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I think they were RPI number four last year. There were three a couple of years ago. I mean, they're they're there. And, um, you know, it is uh, it's a fantastic baseball conference. And it's definitely one to keep an eye on uh, this year as we go forward. That, that was uh that was kind of the, the big series from this weekend. Um, I do want to also mention that uh, Maryland left-hander Billy Phillips, um, who he, he beat leukemia a few years ago. I guess it was three years ago he was diagnosed with leukemia as a high school senior. Um, overcome oh, Has overcome a lot uh, to get out on the field. And, and this weekend he made his debut – uh, at Tennessee for the Terps. The Terps win that series uh, two games to one, and Billy Phillips threw a, a, a scoreless inning. Um, and, you know, he might be a, an important part of that bullpen. Uh, when I talked to, to Coach Rob Vaughn in preseason, you know, he mentioned that, the, you know, Billy is, is in a position where he can really help them in middle relief this year. And uh, so it was a really good start to, to his uh, season and just really good to, to see him on the field, period. Oh, definitely. You gotta love stories like that. And so, if he's if he's listening, if you're listening by any chance, congratulations <laughs> on that because that certainly is a, an amazing accomplishment and something to be proud of, regardless of the result on the field. To be able to come all the way back and do that is is really an accomplishment. Mike, uh, did did anything else uh, catch your your fancy this weekend? You know, for for me, I mean, I uh, I was at Wake Forest uh, opening night, and you know, Griffin Roberts, who was Wake Forest closer last year. Friday starter this year really put together a, a fantastic outing looked very good he's a guy who you know questions you know from a, a, a pro scouting standpoint whether he's a reliever or starter at the next level he'd like to think he's the starter just talking to him <laughs> after the game you could read that piece online 
Um, but certainly if, if he's trying to make that impression and change that perception, he got off to a good start. He has His slider is absolutely filthy. It's an incredible slider. And, you know, he was sitting 90 to 93. He's got more in him, though. He's touched 95, 96 in the past. So that was... That was certainly impressive to me to see in person, and you know, as we go forward the the rest of the year, I'm excited to see more of these these aces and you know premier arms and take some video and get wowed by their breaking balls and and all of that. So it was an outstanding Friday for aces around the country. Now I know a lot of them were facing lesser competition. It being opening weekend, you know, mm-hmm. Wake played Georgetown, mm-hmm. uh, Casey Mize absolutely shoved for Auburn. It was against Lawnwood. Um, you know, Brady Sainter looked really, really good. It was against Siena. Like, I get it from that perspective. Uh, but it, it was good to see all those guys go out, and, and a lot of them had really, really good starts. And the competition's going to ramp up here as we get into it. But um, to, to just see those guys back out on the mound, obviously that's exciting for, for everyone around college baseball, I think. Oh, yeah, and they all have the kind of stuff to put together dominant years. I mean, Brady, Brady Singer especially. I know how big of a Brady Singer fan you are. And uh, seeing what he did in Omaha last year, I'm a I'm a believer in him too. And certainly Jackson Kowar uh, matched his performance this weekend. Are you a believer? I'm not a believer. That's that's only Shane Bieber okay. uh, in the Indian system, former UC Santa Barbara <laughs> ace right-hander. <laughs> well, we uh, we have a lot to look forward to this week. We mentioned some of the top series uh, coming up. Uh, you know, Florida goes to Miami. Um, that'll be a special one this year, it being uh, Coach Morris, Jim Morris's last season, his last shot at the, the this Florida rivalry. And Dallas Baptist going to Clemson is very intriguing. That's yeah, it's a, a cool series. Yeah, the, the Patriots. We we've discussed them the last two times, you know, in the preseason, and then again last night. Um, and if they go out and and make a statement at Clemson they're going to be in the top 25 you know it, it'll be it's a it's a good test for Clemson as well so we got we got a lot of college baseball uh still to come here we're very excited about it um right now on the podcast we're very excited about the homecoming segment uh which is my interview with former Kentucky ace Alex Meyer uh now a pitcher in the Angels system and uh he'll talk about his uh his kind of uh transformation at Kentucky he's uh He's a pretty tall pitcher, as as you may remember, um, six foot nine, and it took him a little while to get going at Kentucky. Uh, but in his junior year, he led the SEC in strikeouts. This year, obviously, Kentucky has another really tall ace, six foot eleven, Sean Jelly, and uh, Mike. He was he shoved on Friday night, did did he not? Oh, he did. He did. He was he was very good, and uh, obviously, I mean, the Kentucky is a team that we have a lot of respect for this year, and they can do really special things. And they got off to a great start. Tristan Pompey had a great weekend as well. He's a guy who could you could see him in potentially the player of the year race later on this year. So there's a lot to like if you're a Kentucky fan, uh, a lot to like this year with the Wildcats. Yeah, and uh, so it'll be exciting to watch them, and, and Alex Meyer is excited to watch them. And uh, now I'll just uh, sh- stop talking and uh, let, let Alex Meyer tell us about uh, the Wildcats and uh, his college career. Joining me today on the homecoming segment of the Baseball America College podcast is Angels pitcher Alex Meyer, former Kentucky ace Alex Meyer, and uh, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about Kentucky and, and Alex's career there. So Alex, thank you for, for joining me here today on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Kentucky has uh, you know really had a, a, a really nice 
2017 and they're looking towards uh, 2018 now and, and looking like they're they're going to be another uh, solid team this year. They, they entered the, the year in the top 10. Last year, they made it to Super Regionals for the first time. Um, how much were you able to, to follow that team and, and just uh, you know see the, the kind of success the, the Wildcats were able to have last year? Yeah, I, you know, I was able to see, um, you know, during the regular season, not as much. Uh, just we had a lot going on with the season ourselves. You know, last year was a pretty big year in, in, in my career as to where I was trying to really establish myself. Um, so, you know, obviously I'm checking, uh, you know, on the website regularly to see how they're doing, see how they went. Obviously I was following their success and how well they were doing, which was awesome because, you know, like you said, it was the first Super Region, what they ultimately ended up getting to. Um, and that's a pretty huge step for a program. So, um, you know, I got to watch them on TV there at the end of the year and see what they were doing and, you know, the emotion they were playing with and how much fun it looked like they were having. Um, so, you know, it's something I was definitely jealous of. Um, but it was it was really fun to watch, and it's going to be fun to watch them again this year with some of the guys they have coming back. Absolutely. And, you know, that um, that Super Regional was against Louisville, and that rivalry, uh, you know, that's uh, one of the one of college sports best. What uh, what do you remember about playing in those uh, those rival rivalry games uh, with, with Louisville? Well, it's funny. When I was at Kentucky, honestly, so they've been on a pretty good little run here for about 10 years now, um, where, you know, in 2008, but the year before I got there, they had a really solid team, a regional team. Um, 2006, they won the SEC. Um, and then the three years I was there in 2000, so the 2009, 10, and 11 seasons, we weren't actually that good. So, um but speaking on that, when we played Louisville, you would have thought we were the number one and number two teams in the country just because of the emotion that guys played with, um, you know, trying to do everything we could to, to get a win. Um, that made it pretty special. You know, like I said, we were kind of lacking, um, lacking, you know, in the SEC series is that we would play. And, you know, you, you, we weren't playing as the number, you know, the number one and number two teams in the country, which you semi-regularly find. Um, we were always kind of just that uh, we were unranked and playing against, you know, LSU or South Carolina when they were real power. Um, so we didn't really get that big uh, emotional series. But when we played Louisville, you definitely had that, which made it extremely fun. Um, and there were there were some some big moments in those games that I won't forget. You know, guys, I remember guys stomping on home plate, crossing, the, you know, for game-winning runs, and guys yelling at each other. It was it was fun. There was a lot of emotion, and uh, you know, that, I was extremely thankful to be a part of that rivalry. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of emotion in that super regional too as well, um, and I'm I'm sure that this year when when those two teams meet, you know, it'll be uh, just like that again. Um, yeah, it's a yeah, that's something I, I think you can pretty much count on that. Like I said, they were really good when I was there. We weren't, um, and if there was that kind of emotion, then I, like you said, when you got two powerhouses playing against each other with that on the line, it's, it's going to be fun to follow for anybody. For sure. You know, Kentucky. The strength of Kentucky's team this year uh, is is the pitching, and there's been a lot of really good pitching to to come through Lexington. Um, you know, really, you know, in, in the last 15, 20 years or so. What um, you know, have have you been able to to, to see some of these pitchers? Um, you know, that, that Kentucky has this season, like Sean Jelly or, or, or Zach Thompson and Justin Lewis, and, and see what those guys have uh, uh, coming at them this year. I saw Jelly last year in the Supers on TV, um, and he's good. I, I knew he was good. I didn't realize he's as good as what he is. Um, you know, very projectable kid, tall, long, uh, runs it up there pretty good, uh, commands it well. Um, 
so I, I've gotten to see a little bit of him and what he brings to the table. Um, just really that one game, which, you know, it was impressive. He held that Louisville lineup. You know, he, he that team could hit last year, and he, he handled them pretty well. So, um, other than that, the other guys I haven't gotten to see, but, you know, like what you said, there have been a lot of really good arms that have come through there, um, and which is surprising. You know, a northern SEC school, uh, more of a basketball school than baseball. Um, but, you know, it's a great place to go to. Lexington's a great city. Uh, they're getting a brand-new ballpark. There should be a lot of excitement for that. And then, obviously, too, with the success they've had over the last few years, it's, it's a fun place. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be good for them. It's, it's going to be good for recruiting and the whole deal. So hopefully it only continues to get better. For sure. You know, Jelly is probably one of the few pitchers that, that's taller than you are even. Uh, he's listed at 6'11". You're listed at 6'9". I mean, what as a, as a fellow tall pitcher, is there um, – you know, is there anything you see? I, I know you, you've only seen him a limited amount of time, but is there anything you see that, that allows him to have success that, that um, you know, you can pick up on? Well, I'll say when I was his age, he definitely commands the ball much better than I did. Um, you know, for, for him to be as big and tall as he is and him to uh, be able to repeat his delivery, and he's a good athlete, um, you know, that makes it – you know, that, that can separate him quite a bit because a lot of – you know, when I was going through the draft, you always heard, well, he's really tall, he struggles to repeat his delivery. And I tried to fight that for so long until finally I was like, you know what, I, I do. I struggle. I, I got to work on this. And, you know, I don't see that – from the one game I saw with him, and that was a big environment, big stage at Louisville against, you know, arguably the best team in the country. Um, he handled it well. So, it's um, – you know, he, he's going to have a long career pitching. It's going to be exciting to follow. And like you said, especially him being as tall as he is, that's pretty neat. You mentioned, um, you know, the, the new stadium coming in Lexington. So this is, I guess, the final year for, for the Cliff. What about, you know, it, it's been around for 50 years. What do you remember? What are you going to look back fondly on, um, you know, as they transition out of uh, out of their, their longtime home there? Well, I'll remember um... – you know, we always had the fans out on the deck right there in right center field who would always be giving the other team a hard time, which always made it funny for us um, to fall in that. You know, they get into the games pretty well, but, um, you know, I like that stadium. I know compared to others in the SEC, it may not have matched up quite as well, but it was definitely unique in a way for us to where, you know, you did feel like you were – it was our home. So, you know, we spent a lot of time out there, a lot of practices. Um, you know, there's nothing super flashy about it by any means, but uh, – you know, for me, coming from small town Indiana, uh, with not as nice of ballparks, uh, going to going to play there, and uh, you know, for the first time, really getting an, an, a play at a place like that, you know, it's, it's pretty special and it's something I'll remember forever. What uh, what what are your favorite memories uh, on the mound uh, at Kentucky? You know, I know you you uh, started your first couple of years, um, you know, little little tougher, you know. Uh, transitioning to college oh, yeah, no, but... you, can, you can be honest it was, it was a tough <laughs> first couple <of> years <laughs> and, and then in, by, by your junior year you blossom you, you you lead the sec in strikeouts and and you go on to be a very good draft you just what uh what what, what are your um standout moments from from your college career well you know there were a lot was, my first two years i was very inconsistent where i'd have a good game i'd have then the next game i'd go out there and have seven walks and three and a half innings and have to get taken out of the game um but, you know, my freshman year, I'll not remember, I remember now, but my first real SEC game where I threw really well um, was down in Alabama. Um, you know, Josh Rutledge hit a screamer off of my leg that uh, I, it smoked me pretty good and rolled me over. Um, I had to miss the next couple weeks after that, but I threw a good game that day. Um, you know, pitching against, you know, my freshman year was the LSU was the national champions, and that was my first uh, SEC start with that Alex Box Stadium against them. And, 
you know, for a freshman, I did fine. Um, held my own uh, against a really good lineup. Um, you know, my sophomore year was pretty bad. I got mono and missed, and I came back, and I was really bad. Um, couldn't get any consistency when I got back from that. Um, so it was a tough sophomore year. But, you know, my junior year was fun. Um, all of a sudden, I had a little burst of confidence. Uh, started throwing the ball a little bit better. Was commanding the ball better. Um, and I had, you know, we we I, we pitched uh, against number one Vandy at home. I got to beat them at our stadium. I had a complete game, which was fun. Something I'll always remember. Um, so, you know, there were just, just things like that. Nothing too crazy. Just a lot of, you know, I had a great time in Kentucky. Uh, I love the city of Lexington. I love putting on the blue and white. Uh, we may not have had as much success while I was there, but um, you know, they've rebounded and we're uh, the, the program's moving in the right direction. So it's like again, it's fun. it's been fun to follow. Well, yeah, the the I, you mentioned the program moving in a, a good direction. Obviously, Nick Mingione in his second year there uh, doing a good work with that. Your coaches, obviously Gary Henderson now at Mississippi State, and Brad Bohannon uh, taking over oh, at yeah. Alabama. It's a it's a very Kentucky flavor and John Cohen flavor throughout the SEC now. Absolutely, and it, uh, I talk to Coach Bo pretty regularly. You know, I'm extremely excited for him to. Uh, you know, be the head coach down in Alabama. You know, I went to Kentucky, so I'll always be rooting for them. But uh, you know, as long as they're not playing against Coach Bohannon, um, you know, I'll be I'll be I'll be rooting for uh, for Alabama to, to pull their part. And you know, obviously that guy did an unbelievable job with recruiting while I was there, with the classes that he was in, the talent that he was able to bring in. So I, uh, you know, I'll be I'll be rooting for Alabama. And then yeah, Coach Henderson's down there at Mississippi State, right? He's he's still down there. Yes. Um, so, it's, you know, like you said, those guys, it, it's fun. It's, it's neat to follow them and see, you know, it's weird. You know, Coach Green's out at New Mexico State, I believe, who I, uh, Brad Green, who I played for, um, Brian Green. And uh, it, it's just crazy that they, uh, you know, everybody's all dispersed out, but everybody's doing really well for themselves. And it, it, it's been really neat to follow all, you know, the success that they're having and the, the paths that they've taken since I've left there. Yeah, the the staff at Kentucky over the years has been very impressive, and and you see it throughout throughout college baseball now, like like you mentioned. As um, it, now you're uh, it, going into pro ball, how uh, when when you guys when, when you see other Kentucky players in uh, in pro ball, you know, do you guys uh, kind of share a moment or or you know what, what's that interaction like when you run across other other Wildcats in, in pro ball? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, this year we played AJ Reed, who's probably the best player to ever go through Kentucky. Um, and I got to play him in AAA this year a little bit. And it, it was fun to talk with him about it and his experience there. I um, you know, no matter, even though I didn't play with him, there is that connection of us both going there. So, it, you know, it's a, it's cool in a sense to be able to talk to those guys that are still playing and that are, uh, you know, I'm up in, I was in AAA in the big leagues this year. So seeing guys that are, you know, as made it to those levels, it's pretty, uh, you know, it's cool to have that bond and uh, connection in a sense. Absolutely. Now, before I let you out of here, Alex, uh, do you have a prediction uh, for Kentucky this season? I, I mean, I think they're going to be competitive. They're going to build off the of last year. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, you hope they build off, get over that hump of the Super Regional and make it into Omaha for the first time. And, uh, you know, it was, I know it's Coach Mingione's second season. Um, you know, it's going to be tough to follow up that first season, but they have the talent back to, to you know, I think to do that. I, I, mean, I don't know the team is super well, but from, you know, the things that I've read and the things that, you know, the guys that Baseball America write about them, it should be pretty exciting. And I still hope that they uh, build up the last year and uh, take that hump into Omaha. Well, it'll be cer- certainly be exciting to follow. Uh, you know, it'll be a, a fun season in Lexington, I think. And 
a lot of a lot of good pitching over the next few years uh, coming through Kentucky, just like uh, was the case a few years ago with with you and and, and AJ Reed, at, like you mentioned. So, Alex, thank you very much for for joining us here on the the Baseball America College Podcast today. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for having me on. Thanks again to Alex Meyer. Thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you to Mike uh, for joining us You're here welcome. on the podcast today. Yeah, anytime. It's uh, it's a good time. It's uh, baseball is back. We'll be back here on uh, I guess on Monday, next Monday. We'll have a new top twenty-five. Then uh, I'll have a new off the bat to pimp. Mike will probably have. I'll have something. I'm yeah, sure he'll, he'll have some. I guess you don't have vines anymore. Um, I have. There'll be something. Rip vine. Yeah, just just follow me on Twitter. It just if you're not already, what are you doing? Just follow me. Don't yeah, he's uh, he's at Emlinana. I'm at Ted Cahill. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram. I'm I'm messing around there. Uh, that's at Ted Cahill.ba. I learned how to use Instagram Stories a little bit better this weekend. There was a there was a little bit of a confusion on my part. Um, and, I'm still uh, intimidated by them. I'm, I'm I, still a Snap Story guy. I uh, I thought I knew what I was doing. I did not. And uh, Mike Rooney, <laughs> our our good friend friend of the podcast Mike Rooney who I know is listening right now texted me and it was like uh what do I do to see your story I'm an Instagram novice I, I, I'm sorry if I'm revealing all of your, your tricks here Mike um but so I I went and I wa- re-watched it then and I discovered how badly I'd messed it up and uh I so I, I just had to text him back I was like yeah I I, I feel your pain I, I'm still learning here and I, I I'm gonna make an adjustment and get better tomorrow and I did make that adjustment on Sunday. I felt like uh, I felt like I had a good good Sunday on Instagram. So anyway, the, the moral of that story is uh, rise and grind, uh, win every post, and uh, you just got to get one percent better every day. And there's another way you can get one percent better every day. Yeah, there is. And uh, we're gonna thank Louisville Slugger, our uh, sponsors of the the top twenty five, and we also thank you to Health IQ, our college podcast sponsor health iq helps health conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance visit healthiq.com slash ba to see if you qualify and with that we thank you all for listening thanks to mike i've been teddy and we will see you back here on the baseball america college podcast next week this concludes our program want more in-depth baseball coverage Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.